This is the Sales Gravy Podcast. Hi, I'm Jeb Blunt, best-selling author of Fanatical Prospecting Objections, Sales EQ, and Inc. And I'm here to help you open more doors, close bigger deals, and rock your commission check. Welcome back to another episode of the Sales Gravy Podcast. On this very special episode, this is part one of my conversation with Mike Weinberg. If you don't know who Mike is, you've been living in a hole because he is one of the world's top gurus on sales and sales leadership. Before we get started, I want you to go check out Sales Gravy University. Sales Gravy University is where teams and individuals from all over the globe come to learn how to sell more. And right now you can go take your very first course for free if you've never taken a course before by using the code free course. Just go to learn.salesgravy.com. That's learn.salesgravy.com and learn how to sell more. All right, Mike. So I finally got you in the same place I am. And I know it's been a while. I can't remember the last time we were together, maybe Philadelphia when we were with Gerhard recording something. Oh my something. gosh. Or an outbound, maybe a guy, I don't know which was first, but it's, it's been a long time. And I love the conversation we had when we set this up. I, I think you were just back from your crazy trip to Africa and I was out on the golf course and I told you I was going to be here and you're like, we are getting together in person. <laughs> so I am uh, honored and thankful. So good to be here. So we got a lot to talk about because we haven't been around or yeah. been together in a while. So first, I want to just find out about you. Like, how are you doing? You went to Portugal. You're playing golf. You're, you've got all of these incredible events that you're running for sales leaders. So just give us an update yeah, on Mike. I'm happy to. I think I've read four of your new books since I've seen you last. You've read one of mine. That's about talk about prolific. But uh, we'll get to books in a bit. Yeah, I'm having fun. Um, I'm still amused. You know, I'm still amused at the whole thing that people want to hear what I have to say or that um, the basics we're teaching, whether it's new sales simplified or from the new, the new book, uh, first time manager sales, um, that the hunger for some simple truth in the sales world, because as you and I talked about for years, the, the number of masqueraders and charlatans and, you know, fly by night bandwagon jumpers uh, there, they come and they go and we're still here telling the truth, preaching the, the simple things that we do. So I'm enjoying the place in the business that I have. Um, I'm thankful beyond thankful for the opportunity to go into companies. I still kind of pinch myself when I get called by a big company. Hey, come on in, lead a couple day sales management workshop. I'm like, you want me? And then I get there and you, cause you know, cause you do this and you start asking the most fundamental questions about how they're doing accountability or they coaching their people or the, the you wrote a nice comment on my uh, podcast, you know, promotion this week on, are you teaching your people to run sales calls? And in companies that you and I both know the names of, I'm like blown away that the basics aren't being covered. So I'm still enjoying, I keep thinking I'm going to get into a situation where I go into a company and what they're dealing with is so complex or it, we won't be able to solve the problem, you know, because the simple yep. things we talk about and it hasn't happened yet. So, well, I've always found it interesting. We're going to get back to you, but you got us off subject already. But so, but I find it interesting that when you're having a conversation with people, especially in these, in these large companies or VC funded tech companies, which is that they've had a tough year. They, they use all these big words, like the, like the, the tech, the tech companies are the worst. Yeah. Like, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. like the big word today in tech companies is multi-threading. Like we're multi-threading, like it's some sort of a mystery. Like you need to have relationships with more than one person. That's what we would say right there, but they're multi-threading. So sometimes I get a little bit blown away. I'm like, I'm hearing these things. Sometimes I'm in a, I'm on a discovery meeting and they're throwing acronyms at me and I'm literally searching the acronyms and go, Oh, okay. That's what that means. So Jeb, I mean, I already <laughs> triggered you and I'm going to trigger you big time. There was a LinkedIn post by a good person who we respect in this industry 
a week or two ago who basically came out and said something like, I have data for you. The, the multi-touching with bots and automated messaging yeah. and cadences isn't working. You need to pick up the phone. You need to personalize your messaging. You need to be human and authentic. And I, I put a comment on there and I'm like, is this news? Like, <laughs> you're, you're, you're announcing it like you've discovered something. I'm like, for a decade, we've been talking about like the human side of selling and empathy and authenticity yeah. and personalizing and contextualizing and showing you actually care because you're a human. You're not a bot. I mean, I could go on and on and on, but it, it, there's no news here. Nothing no. has really changed. But Nothing it, has changed. But it's sometimes when you're listening to these conversations and you're walking through the door, you're thinking, oh my God, like, can I help these people? Or I'm able, I'm able to fix this problem. And then I, you get there and you go, gosh, this is the most fundamental, like basic, fundamental. broken things. And that happened to me gosh, a couple of weeks ago. I was with a, a group and it was an all day workshop that was only focused on, like it was, there were, I had 200 slides in a deck, but we didn't, we got to two of them. We, we just did workshop after workshop after workshop on solving a growth issue in the field with the sales team. And when we got done, they're like, oh my God, like you're like Yoda. And you, you think, can it, can it be that simple? Sometimes I feel guilty. Could it be that simple? Jeb, I was doing a workshop a month ago for a large, I'll call it bio life sciences company. And it was for sales leaders. And my very first thing I do is the, the common sales leadership sins that damage culture and diminish results. Slide number one is poor goals and results focus. It's usually a throwaway slide. We yeah. talk about it for 45 seconds. Like, do your people have clear goals? Do they know what's yeah. expected of them? Are they on the same page? Because if you don't have clear goals, you can't do accountability. And sales is about results, right? And I normally get one or two questions and we move on. We spent an hour and 20 minutes on that slide because at the end of the day, the people that worked for these sales leaders didn't have clear goals. And the ones that did, didn't buy into them because they were arbitrarily assigned from some ivory yeah. tower. And I thought, well, we're never going to get through this workshop because we spent an hour and 20 minutes on something <laughs> that takes usually 45 seconds. But it's, it's the continual discovery that the basics have been lost. I mean, part of the, the, the battle I'm fighting and part of the reason I wrote the new book was because no one is mentoring people how to lead because the, the, the new sales managers who were, you know, yesterday's sales rock stars, they did it on their own. Their managers weren't coaching, weren't in the field, weren't mentoring. And I'm talking before COVID. Mm -hmm. So they don't know how to lead people. They think they get in the job of sales manager. Now they're a sales superhero. They just do it. I'm like, no, you're supposed to be multiplying yourself. Like this isn't yeah. the way you and I were raised. So there's this, just this massive confusion of what is sales leadership and what are the fundamentals? Or just how to get it done. I'll give you an example of this. So working with a, a leader in a, at a company that we coach and the leaders have, you know, getting a, has a new salesperson. They're trying to get them ramped up. The salesperson's job is to make phone calls. That's it. They're just an outbound rep. Mm -hmm. And the leaders got them doing some emails and some other things. And I'm watching this for a couple of weeks because I'm, I'm trying to help this company get this going and they're, they're tr trying to get them ramped up. So it was like, okay, well they spent eight hours a day. What did they do? Well, they made 20 calls a day and we're like, we're bringing them along. And this went on, went on, went on. So one morning I'm in the Philadelphia airport, jumping off one airplane, going to another airplane. And I hear this one more time. And the, 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 this maybe we'll call this a Gen X brain. My Gen X brain said, okay, I'm done with this. So here's how this is going to work. So I get the sales leader on the phone. And I get a, another leader that's a little bit above this person on the phone. And I get the person on the phone, that's the, the new rep. And I say, here's what we're going to do. You have 15 minutes to make 15 dials and set one appointment. I'm walking through security now. Y'all, I'm going to call you back when I'm through security in 15 minutes. And I want to count on how many dials you made. 
And everybody goes, okay, because I'm not giving anybody, there's no, there's no space here. I walk to security, call them back. How many dials you made? 11. Okay, great. Did you get everything loaded in the CRM? Yeah. Okay. 15 minutes, 15 dials, one appointment, go. I'm walking to my gate. Go back, get to the gate. Okay. How many, how many dials you make? 13. Okay. So now we're looking at 24 dials. Okay. That he's made in about 19, in 30, 19 minutes, yeah, right? 30, I mean, yeah, right? 30 minutes, right. two, two 15 minute blocks. But he okay? was making 20 calls a day. Yeah. Right. So, so do it again. I'm, I'm getting on the airplane. I'm going to call you as soon as I get in my seat. And, and then I'm flying to Atlanta. I do this five more times when I get to Atlanta before noon, this rep who they've been like trying to get to a point where they could make this many calls does a hundred outbound dials before noon that day. My next question, is there any questions about this? Your job is to make outbound dials. That means chop wood. That was his main job. That's it. That's it. The only job is to make outbound dials and qualify people. All they're doing is qualifying. They ain't setting appointments. Just they're asking three simple questions. Mm. So the, if you think about from the leader standpoint, they think this is super complex. But from my standpoint, it is pick up the phone, dial the phone, move to the next thing. Like if you don't have a list, I get that. If you don't have those pieces in place, but that's the, that's the leader's job to get all the things in place. We didn't have that problem anymore. So they were going to, they were literally on a 90 day ramp up to get this person to make outbound dials. We did it in a morning. It's disgusting. It's criminal. What's also the, the piece that makes me nuts is that we put the coaching aspect. I've seen in a matter of a day or two, a rookie young SDR type person go from incompetent, awful, sounds like a failure on the phone, stumble, bumble, 150 calls later. They're like competent. It's not, this is not surgery. Like you make enough calls. And if you listen to a few people mm -hmm. are pretty good and you get a little coaching in between in a couple of days, you could go like from not yep. acceptable to pretty darn good and passable. That's what we've got Brad Adams on my team. He's our, we send him, he's our commando. We send him right, with right. inside sales teams and we'll put him on an airplane and he'll go to a sales floor and he'll fix a team in a week. Like the whole thing is broken. He'll fix it in a week. Now there's one difference between him and the other leaders. Only one difference. The other leaders are going to meetings. They're, 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 you know, reserving conference rooms. They're in a marketing meeting. They're in this meeting. They're in this meeting. They're in this meeting. In this meeting. Brad is on the floor running high intensity prospecting blocks. 15 minutes, 15 dials, one appointment, go. All right, everybody ring the bell, five, five each other, grab something to drink. We're doing it again. Roll again. That's all he does. He's on the floor coaching. He'll get next to someone and go, okay, on the next call, let's say it this way. On the next call, let's do this way. So he's just doing incremental coaching on the floor and he's got energy and he's there. And he, he, you know, he shows everybody what to do. The problem is, is that the organization's culture is all the leaders go to meetings. So the leaders aren't even, aren't even there. So, it's really you know, good. but that's, it's, but it is that simple, isn't it? Like it is, but it's so funny. You're making me think of something I sometimes say when I'm doing a workshop and a piece of the day, like, you know, you'll do a whole, whole day on prospecting. I may have an hour of a full day, like new sales simplified workshop. And it's amazing when I get to prospecting one, how everybody pays attention. They're taking pictures of slides. They're, they're asking questions. They're asking deep questions. And then sometimes when I start pushing on them, they start to complain like, Mike, I don't know. And I look at them and I say, you're so freaking lucky that Jeb Blunt is not here and that you didn't hire him. Because if he was here, you would all be in little corners right now on your cell phones, you making 15 calls. So just be thank you that I'm be thankful that I'm being easy on you because they've turned it into this thing. And I, you know, thank God somewhere we'll get into this, but we, we officially killed, and if it didn't kill itself, the social selling movement. Yeah. But I regularly remind some of my clients that all of those people, you know, hashtag social mm -hmm. selling, the woman who named her firm that to the guy who called himself the pioneer of social mm -hmm. selling, to some of the other goofy people that built big firms. Yeah. 
none of them are still in the sales training business. They all, they, they were the ones telling us we were all dumb yep. and we were dinosaurs and we were Luddites and the phone's dead. Mm. Tell you, I talked to the number one sales guy for AWS in Europe. I had him on my show mm. uh, last year and I titled the episode what, what something he said to me, which is the phone is sexier than ever. No yep. one's using it. Those that do use it, don't use it well. And I, I think fortunately we've kind of killed, and it's so funny to hear, everyone's talking about prospecting now. We, you, you wrote, when did you write Fanatical Prospecting? 2014? 15. 15. Yep. I mean, it was like revolutionary. Like, you know, you used to make phone calls and that's when everyone was shooting us going, what are you, an idiot? No one uses the phone. And today my argument is it's working better than ever because no one uses it. And if you're human, you're authentic, you have good other centered messaging, you're persistent, you show you care. I I, I usually tell the story, this is just longer on this topic. My brand is not as big as your brand, but on an average month, I get 300-ish inbound messages from sales tool vendors, people wanting to sell us or part, you know, mm-hmm. you know, the deal, yeah. cause you get the same messages. So between my public email address and LinkedIn, I get about 300 inbound communications soliciting me from whether it's automated bot yeah. crap or it's SDRs or never any value, mostly self-focused mm-hmm. messaging. My company phone number is on the website. Yeah. And I ask people when I'm teaching prospecting to say the phone's not mm-hmm. dead. I'll say, if I get 300 inbound messages a month, most of, most of them terrible. How many people actually pick up the phone and call the number that's on my website mm-hmm. and I make them guess and they say 12, 11 and I keep going down, down, down about 0.5, about every yep. two months I get one phone call. Yep. And my rule is if you call me a couple of times and leave a good message, I'll either take the call yep. or I'll call you back because I respect what you're doing. But every time I get a freaking bot automated drip or now it's bumped to the top, you put a funny yeah. post, yeah. bump, don't just, bump anything to the yes. top. I'm just redeleting you or blocking you at this point. That's, that's not value creating touches. So yeah, it's, I'm the same boat. Nobody ever calls. And my phone number's everywhere. You were putting your cell phone out for a while I, I, when you were doing that texting I, thing. I've stand in front of entire groups of people and given my phone number. It's not hard to find my phone number. I gave it out on a webinar today. So like, if you want to talk to me, you can call me. Nobody calls. Nobody ever calls. And we teach that you, you would think they were smart to go. Yep. These guys teach the phone. We should use the phone. I, I, I want to make I just because I'm a public figure, I don't write back what I really want to say. Cause right. I, I don't, don't want it on my me. record, but sometimes I want to say, you know, seriously, you're never, ever going to get my business this way. What's happened though recently is that the bots have taken over. So like, here's an easy thing. My tagline is sell more for my company. So on, on LinkedIn, I just says sales gravy. And there's a big slash sell more. Well, I know that a bot sent it because it says, it says dear sales gravy, sell more. Like that's not the name well, of my and company. Jeff, my messages come in. They say, Mike, I hope the new business sales coach comma LLC is great yeah, today. Exactly. And I'm like, no one in the industry knows that's my company name, <laughs> no, right? That's right? No, nowhere in the world am I known as the new business sales so coach, just, except to the U S government. Right. So they right, just plugged right. it it's, into it's, a bot. It's awful. And it, so the way they, but I know you're hearing this from executives. But why do they think it's working? But well, it's well, not working. The executives now are saying, I'm just deleting in mass. So there may be good messages in there. There could be, I'm not looking at any of them because I don't have time for all this stuff because it's inhuman. It doesn't feel good. And the messages are, are really bad. And then to make it worse, What's happening now is the, these companies that are using these bots are spamming so hard that they're creating new company email addresses. So if you start looking at the emails and the email address, it's, it's not the name of the company anymore. It's join blah, blah, blah company. Oh, it's, so, a, it's, it's all that. I'll tell you, I'm some, half the solicitations I get by email are coming from Gmail accounts. Yep. And I'm, what, whether it's some PR person trying to get someone on our podcast, I'm like, I'm thinking, do you not have a company? And why would I even respond to you from your personal Gmail account? If you're not in the business, why am I talking to you? But anyway, 
Hey, I could beat that to death. So it, it, it's, it's horrible. But, but even, even Google sent me in, cause we use Google's, uh, our Google workspaces, mm-hmm. but said you're getting a, you're getting an excessive number of people that you're, you're blocking and spamming out just to say, you know, do you have people, but it was a warning. Do you have people in your company? It was just like, if you're sending me something from a fake email address and I know it's a bot, I'm not even going to bother spamming you back. Normally, if you send me something, I'll, I'll at least spam you back. I'll put you on my list, but I'm not even going to spam you, spam you back. I'm not even going to mess with this. I'm just going to block you because I'm not going to reward this behavior. No, but here's the piece I don't understand. Why do the sales leaders or even the salespeople not understand that you're building this wall for yourself because you're not ingratiating yourself to anybody. You know, you, t- you tell the story in one of your keynotes about how many days in a row you called some prospect and you finally, yeah. you know, take your call. Because there's the respect for the human effort. Mm-hmm. And when you're doing it, you're doing it with EQ. You're not, yeah. you're not being an ass. You're, you're not pounding on someone. You're, you're being funny. You're using guilt. You're using um, creativity. You're dripping value nuggets. You're earning, I like to say, you're earning the callback or the conversation with creativity and perseverance. Nobody gets credit for, for spamming. No. Like you're doing the opposite. So there's no way you're even likable or trustworthy when you yeah. actually do get a conversation at that point, which is just a giant mystery to me. Well, that's, so. that's a, a key piece of, uh, I don't know if you know that Anthony and I were, are collaborating on a new book okay. um, called The AI Edge. And uh, that we, we are, it is due to the publisher on November the 1st. We're not, we are not going to hit do. that. We are not hitting that deadline. But the, but one of the, one of the, the key parts of this book is talking about exactly that, that if people know that a robot wrote it, they know that you didn't put any effort in it. If they know that you didn't put any effort mm-hmm. in it, it causes them to feel like you don't care. If they feel like you don't care, they don't care. So you're, you're not helping yourself at all. What people want to see is effort. They want to see that you, that you give a, a you know, what's enough to, to, to show up. I'm excited about that book. I talked to him maybe a month ago and he told me he's starting to put on some of his posts written by a human. Yes. Like I, I did not chat GPT this, yeah. this, I actually got up at five thirty this morning and thought about what I wanted to write today. That's yeah, huge. That's you know, I'm excited just on his topic. I haven't talked to him a ton, but I think his new book has the potential to be the negativity. I did, I fast. the same thing. I said the negativity fast. It's, said, it's a broad it's, audience. Yeah. And he's, I mean, he's so cerebral and he's put so much. I mean, I was reading the advanced copy to yeah. do an endorsement. I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's, I'm going to have to read this slowly. Yeah. Like it's, there's a there, lot there of data cerebral. about why we're yeah. negative anyway, with the world between politics and just the government and yeah. the, whatever phase of COVID we're like, we need this positivity. So absolutely I'm, I'm about that. It's a, it's, it's somebody needs to write a book called selling in a crisis for times just like these. I, somebody let me think, let me think, is there a book um, like that out there? So, all right, let's talk about podcasts real quickly. Cause I, I've, I've got a pet peeve and I want to, I want to run this by okay. you. So you get these, the, these emails from these PR people to get people on your podcast. About five a day. About five a day. Okay. Tell me if I'm wrong about this. But I get this, I get this note and the note is about the, how great this human being is. Mm-hmm. Like they literally, this is the greatest human being ever. Usually they've, 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 they started and sold multi-billion dollar companies, like five or six of them. And they've done this and they've done this and they've done this. And the first thing I'm thinking is if you've done all this stuff, why, why in begging? God's name would you want to be yeah, on my, my podcast? podcast. <laughs> so for, that's number one. And number two is. What a turnoff. Like, I'm like, this is terrible. I used to be like, why won't you just call me and pitch me? And I used to, because I, I would send a note back to him and said, listen, the only way this person's getting my podcast is they got to call me. Here's my phone number. They need to call and talk to me. I'm not doing it this way. And has anyone done that? Never done that. Okay. So there's, um, it's, the same, always, it's, exact, yeah. it's the same conversation. Yeah. To go it's, the, it's, it's coming from an intermediary. Might as well be a bot yeah. or an untrained FDR who's spamming you with non-contextualized math. Yeah. They take one thing from your podcast and then they give you 
Eight paragraphs about this person. I was listening bio. to this this thing. Nice job, Jeb. Right. You're amazing. I've never gotten that, that, that email. <laughs> yeah, it's very frustrating. It's yeah. very frustrating. I'm just so that to me is just such a lazy thing. And there are people paying these people to do this. Like you're paying your PR firm to do this. Please, seriously. Like this is it's what, a mystery. Why are you doing this? If you if you think this person is interesting enough, the only thing that saved these people is that I've got so many people on my team now that I'm trying to loop in to do podcast interviews, so I don't have to do them all. That I'm like, okay, here's here's a bone for you. Here's somebody. But that to me is it's just laziness. It's a massive turnoff because there's nothing in it for me. Mm. And I've gotten to a point now, especially with tech companies. And I, I just write back to the PR firm. I don't do infomercials mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. tech executives. So if this person's got something interesting to say, here's my phone number, my cell phone number, That's tell them to call me and have a conversation with me. We'll talk about okay, whether or not I just had a good. similar experience, but the opposite, a tech enablement type company invited me to be on their podcast and I didn't really vet it out and they hadn't, I should have vetted it more because I, you know, when you're doing the book yeah. launch, you'll, you'll take a lot of yeah, yes. interviews but, and this one, somehow I let my guard down and we did it. And well, they had no reviews. So if you go to Apple podcasts and there's no reviews, we should not be talking to these people. There's, there's some there, but then the episode came out and they sent me the link and wanted me to promote it. And I went to the, the podcast episode description, the show notes. And the entire thing was a promo for what their company sold. It wasn't a thing about me yeah. and my book or what we talked about. I'm like, I am not promoting this. I don't care if anyone listens to this podcast because there was no love. I'm just, you just feel like you're being used. So I got no, I got no use. Yeah. For that. When you're promoting a book, you essentially become, Oh my gosh. Yeah. You'll like, you'll go in a pasture and talk to goats. I like, I've, I've scheduled these things for book launches and, and I'm not kidding you. I've had a couple of these examples where it's like a 17 year old kid in this mom's I know, basement. Yes, I know. And these, you know, they've got a piece of plywood behind them. They're interviewing me and I'm like, Oh what my God, I what if I, I sunk to, I know, I know, but I'll do any, like selling a book is so damn hard. It's hard. And you, there's, there's luck and blessing and timing involved. And you know, and you, you feel this way. You're very loyal to your publisher has been amazing. And mine has been really good to me. And there's a part of me. It's like, I owe you my best effort here because I know I'm going to get a ton of business yeah. from this book, but I owe you my, my, I got to be a good soldier and I got to get this book to sell because it's not going to sell by itself. So anyway, yeah, it's fun. It's fun to catch up on so many things. It's been, it's been way too long since we had this conversation. So real quickly, before we wrap this, this, uh, this episode up, okay. This has been a rambling conversation all over the place. And I promise that part two is going to be a little bit more dialed in. Um, but we back to my original question, Portugal cars. Like, I know you want yeah, to do what, a like, what, like what you got grandkids and I have the St. Louis Cardinals and like, what's the Cardinals. We listen, I'm sorry. Your Braves got like wiped out I so know, quickly in the playoffs. The Phillies are just so hot right now. And we'll see when this episode gets released, but they may be in the world series by the time this is being heard. Um, the Cardinals were just a disaster. I was thankful that I'm so much more into golf than baseball. I watched a lot of golf and I, I played a ton of golf. You sent me a funny message when I posted a picture on vacation, walking with, carrying my bag with the kids. And you're like, it's good to see you're walking. <laughs> By the way, I think that you're, um, I don't know, it was like last week I was in Portugal, yeah. but you put a post on, I don't know, it was Instagram or LinkedIn. You lost a lot of weight walking at airports yep. instead of sitting down to eat. Yep. I try not to stand. I try not to sit down. When I walk in the airport, from the moment I get out of the car, I've gotten to a point now, you'll be proud of me. We've had this conversation before that I, I try not to drive myself to the airport anymore. So even though I've got to have someone coming two hours mm -hmm. from Atlanta to pick me up and take me mm -hmm. back, I just, I just figure that my the value of that time yeah. back is worth the expense. But once right. I, but once I get out of the, out of the car, my goal is don't sit down again. Do you, can, are you able to do the same thing on the way back from a speaking engagement? Mm -hmm. Cause that's a time where I say stupid stuff to myself. Like I'm kind of entitled to that treat, you know, like a couple extra drinks or go get the ice cream. And that's when I'm like, that's the dumbest thing ever. 
Well, that was, um, that was like, I would do that and go, I'd, I'd get done and go, all right, I'm going out to, I'm going to the best steakhouse here. I would do that consistently. And I'd go to the steakhouse and I'd have a ribeye and then I'd have whatever bread was there. And then maybe I put a lobster with it and then I have wine and then I have, you know, I have dessert and yeah. have an appetizer and, you know, I'm done. I've, I've, I've dropped, you know, 2,500 calories into myself because I deserve it. Well, you feel like you're entitled to it. I worked really yeah. hard on my feet all day. Yeah. You know, I did great. So, but that's the wrong mentality. So I will be thinner next time you see me because you're a little, I love that idea because I feel like I go to the airport and it's a way to kill time. You, or you even yep. sit in the stupid Admiral's club and eat a bad Rice Krispie that's treat. That's the last thing the I need to do. And what I'll do so, though is if I'm hungry, I'll, I, I always get dropped off at F Gates in Atlanta. So I'll, I'll go by and there's a club on, on E Gate. So I'll, I'll drop into the club and grab a banana and then I'll, I'll use walking. and I'll walk that all the way to a, and, a hike. and then how long is that? Like 3,500 steps. It's, it's not, it's not as long. How, how much in time is it like half about hour? 30 minutes? Yeah. Okay. So from one end of, mm-hmm. of uh, yeah. without taking the Darth Vader death. Exactly. Air, air and now that they train. got LaGuardia is better. I'll walk up and down LaGuardia, but yeah. instead of going into the, to, to the sky club and sitting down, it's, it's made it a little harder for me because that was a lot of riding time. I would, yeah, I get it. so, but it, it makes a, it makes a difference. Uh, and I'm playing a lot more golf. So I'm the, we the, need to play uh, golf. I, I know I have, I never had a hobby. You know, I was working my ass off and then we had kids. And so their hobbies were our hobbies. And my wife is so amused. It's been like three years. I'm addicted to golf. And, you know, I finally broke 80, which felt really wow. good. But you know, the next day I went out and shot 92. So like, how do you shoot 78 and then go shoot a 92 yeah. two days in a row? So there's a lot of work to be done, but I love that there's something that's got my attention other than business that I know for years I can try to get better at this. I like been, it. It's I been like good playing for mental, golf. mental and emotional yeah. health too. We, um, yeah. my wife, my wife and I played when we, I met my wife on the high school golf team. Oh, I didn't so know this. Yeah. We, so we, and she's way better than me. So we played oh. and then we quit. I mean, we, I started a business and golf is, you know, three or four mm. hour commitment and you got to practice. And so for the last 17 years, we just worked in the business. So we started playing golf again and I've, the two things have changed for me. One is I'm, I'm much more aware of, I'm never going to be a pro. So I've let go of, I'm going to be as perfect as I possibly can. And the other thing is I don't care anymore. So I used to care. And Mm -hmm. so now what I do is I swing slow. My goal is to stay in the fairway. I play from the, the, the front, front I tees. I find that the, I don't care if it's the, if it's the super senior, tees. I call it the super senior, yeah, tees. Super I'm, senior I'm, tees. I'm playing from the front tees. So I've got a slow swing speed and I go practice and I forget, like you, I forget how to play golf. Like I, I, I shot it um, on a, on a municipal golf course. We played there and played there and played there. And then one day I shoot an 83. I'm like, I shot That's an 83. Awesome. I know. The next day I shot 104. I know. It's so <laughs> clearly forgot how to play golf. And then I went to Africa and forgot how to play golf. So the, but there's, there's something about, uh, walking and the steps involved. And I think the, just for me personally at my age is the, the patience to say, this is something that my wife and I can do. Cause 100%. I always was told that as a young man, this is something that you and your spouse can do as you, as you grow older. It's one of the only sports that, that, right. that you can do together. And I'm finding that, but I'll, I'll give you a, a, this is a good, a good lesson, right? It's a good lesson between old guys that, that focus on the basics and young people who focus on complexity. So I go out and play with my son who mm-hmm. was taller than me, way stronger, mm-hmm. better looking and can hit the ball 350 yards. Like when he smacks it, he can get it a long way. And we go out and play and I kicked his ass. Mm-hmm. Uh, he owed me money when we were done. And, and, and he, he, like we were, we got done. He goes, he goes, man, old man golf beats young man golf. That's really good. That's a and great I, lesson right and there. And I said, yeah, I said, cause I, I got up to the tee 
And if I knocked it out there 200 yards, that was a good drive. And then I would, I'd, I'd hit a seven iron in getting close. And then I'd hit a pitching wedge up and, you know, maybe I three putt sometimes I said, but you hit it in the woods and took a penalty shot. And then you hit it in the pond and took a penalty shot. I said, you were getting on the back tee and loading up and trying to hit it as hard as you possibly can. I said, the old man was just slow and steady in the fairway. And that's the difference between who I was when I was playing golf in oh, my early thirties so and, you know, playing golf it's, in it's my mental. late 50s. I don't get angry either because. I'm not good enough to get angry and I'm loving, I'm still, I still want to get better, but I don't have illusions of someone yeah. paying me to play golf, you know, but it, it's cool. I, the, if you look at, I did some analysis on some holes. The times I actually get birdies on par fives, which I was at, you know, par five is a birdie hole yeah. is never when I go for it in two. If I, if I'm 220 yards yeah. out and I think I'm going to whale a three wood or a long hybrid there, that's when I lose yeah. the ball. That's when I'm getting an eight. It's when I hit a nice layup second shot and I've got 80 yards in and I'm hitting a little wedge and I get lucky yeah. and make a one putt. That's when I get a birdie. Exactly, it's never because I did something heroic. Is so. I'm, I, when I bird a, a five, a par five, it's always because I I hit. I'm three shots up. I hit a nice. That's right. I need. I hit a nice shot right into the into the green, and I'm I'm far enough that's away it. that I can put yeah. it in. All right, we need to play some golf. That sounds that sounds good. good. Mike Weinberg, and we're going to be back with uh, part two in a week or so. So get ready for it. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, man. This is great.